So today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview David Hobbs, the Senior Director of Product Management at Mojo Vision, a leading startup building AR contact lenses. So David, welcome to the show. Julian, thank you for having me. Great. So, you know, David, what I was going to talk to you about today was talk about your background, uh, your role at Mojo Vision, as well as your plans for the next uh, 12 months and so on. So how does it sound? Sounds perfect. Go ahead and get Great. started. So, Great. So, you know, uh, could you tell us about your background and how you ended up joining Mojo Vision? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, the, the majority of the experiences that I've had uh, have really been in the consumer electronics space. I've worked at a couple of larger Fortune 100 companies like HP, uh, yeah. designing some of the different um, PC commercial PCs through, uh, through, the 2000, through the early 2000s and 2010s. Yeah. Um, and, and when I moved out here to the Bay, um, met up with one of my former, former colleagues there, who's the SVP of product and marketing at Mojo Vision, Steve Sinclair. And, uh, he said, we're, we're looking at doing something that's, uh, that's never been done before. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're always a little skeptical when, when someone tells you it's something new, but, uh, through the interview process, when you, when you show up and you see that they've you know, built this working, you know, prototype of a smart contact lens that that absolutely catches your attention because that is something that's never been built before. Yeah. And so um, that that for me was uh, one of those opportunities. You, you only get so many um, in, in consumer electronics in, in terms of building something that that doesn't exist. And so uh, from there, I, I kind of signed on. And now three and a half years later, uh, I'm the senior director for product management. And that that entails a lot. So aside from working through some of the different use cases that we have that have a little bit more vertical focus, like um, vision impairment, but also sports, yeah. um, responsible for go-to-market, market research, some of the social, some of the social engagement that we have, and uh, uh, some of the general Marcom and assets that we put out, like the website. Yeah, uh, that's great. I think you guys have done a great job. I love the video that you guys put together, by the way. I think it's very. Uh, it's just a great way to uh, uh, showcase what you guys are doing. So uh, congrats to you guys. Um, so, uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. So now, there's, as you know, there's a lot of buzz about your company, Mojo Vision, mm -hmm. and you guys have raised a significant amount of money, $170 million, uh, over $170 million, mm -hmm. to build the AR contact lenses. And I'm sure there are some skepticals out there. Uh, and maybe some, sometimes, you know, maybe people concerned about privacy and so on. But uh, could you tell us about your AR contact lenses so that people understand what it does and how it works? Yeah. So I think if you read our boilerplate, uh, you'll see something at the, at the bottom of all our press releases that says Mojo Visions building the world's first true smart contact lens where ideas and intersection meet. Um, how, how I like to think about it and how I like mm -hmm. to explain this is that um, I, most people are, are of the mindset that augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality it is the next platform that's going to drive a lot of the innovation in the consumer electronics space. And yeah. um, from an AR perspective, we're taking a slightly different approach to how we can allow that application to become more mainstream in a consumer's life. So mm -hmm. we've taken a very, very small display, micro LED that's roughly the size of a grain of sand. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about pixels, pixels that are smaller than red blood cells. And we've we've taken the necessary components and, and sensors and we've embedded those into a contact lens form factor. Mm -hmm. So 
the, the idea here is that we're, we're kind of solving different problems than what headset or what glasses manufacturers are doing right now. But by embedding in that contact lens form factor, we're addressing some of the challenges that you see with uh, some of the current technology around field of view and mm -hmm. just the general computational and power requirements that have been a challenge. So from an ergonomics aspect, we're solving some of those issues. Uh, to me, though, the more relevant byproduct of having something that's smaller and embedded in the contact lens is that it allows you to look like yourself. We're not drawing a, a lot of attention to the, to the technology and to the form factor. And that's very deliberate because the actual display and the actual uh, user interface that we're doing is also that we're creating is also meant to minimize those disruptions throughout the day. So we're taking a little bit more of a minimalist approach and making sure that it's the critical information that you need to be productive and efficient throughout your day without disrupting you or pulling you away from what's happening in front of you. Yeah, I like that. So. Uh... So you mentioned sports earlier. So, and we, you know, we work with lots of teams across European soccer, the NBA, the NHL, the MLS, NFL, and so on. So which sports are you focusing on and in which use cases are you trying to, or would you want to address? And why should any professional teams use your contact lenses? Yep. So I will say that a lot of the activity that we're, that we're focused on right now from sports is definitely much more individual sports and training. Mm -hmm. Um, but yep. to me, that doesn't necessarily exclude a, a pro sports team or any professional athlete as well, because a, a huge component of, of any sort of program is going to be the training and just the the yeah. the, acti the activities that, that you're doing to both prepare for, you know, a, a game or a match. And uh, th there's a lot that happens off the pitch. So yeah. when when we think about where AR is going to be more impactful, um having data during an activity is really where we're seeing that right mm -hmm. um from from a personal perspective uh i've run five marathons over my my life which i guess yeah. means i didn't learn the lesson the the last four times uh mm -hmm. so we we think right. about what you can do during an activity that's going to help you gain the most uh benefit right so if you think about uh risk of injury or understanding your relative uh performance or power output during during something like cycling, running, um, even yoga or golf as an example, those are really interesting. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's some of the work that we've done specifically in this space has shown that there's a lot of personas as far as the type of athletes that, yeah. that exist on an individual sports or activity level. Um, mm -hmm. But the ones that are really interesting to me are um, focus and flow. So a lot of times we talk about um, an outlet such as running or cycling or, or yoga mm -hmm. as, as being an opportunity to sort of disconnect from what's happening uh, through the, the hectic hustle and bustle of, of the day, right? Um, yeah. Giving you that, that sort of space that you can uh, collect yourself and, and continue forward. And th there's, there's so much benefit, I think, from making sure that you're having a good run or you're having a good, uh, you're having a good, um, cycling loop and and that to me is um is something that we can provide by making sure that you're getting that information during an activity but it's not necessarily something that's pulling you away from it directly yeah. um, and then the other part of this is just making sure that as you're going through training programs or you know you're trying to get faster you're trying to get better at, at um, elevation or you're you're trying to master a better um better holding of pose or, or more stable core um, mm -hmm. 
making sure that you're getting that feedback real time because that's when so much of the learning happens, right? Yeah. Um, you think about when something when something feels good or when you've done something well, being able to positively reinforce that or at least draw some attention to, to, to a consumer, to someone and say, hey, what you're doing is great. Um, that, that's really important. And that's, that's, I think, one of the big focuses that we have as we talk about um, using Mojo Lens in, in a sports or in an athletic ac activity. Yeah, and then, you know, you mentioned golf, and like I'm starting to learn golf, and I'm, I've got a coach, but I think having or wearing those types of lenses would help me tremendously to get feedback in real time about how to, you know, you got to focus on the ball, then you got to keep your hands straight, you know, to take care of all those details, which when you hit the ball in golf, you forget sometimes about all those things. So having oh, absolutely, this, absolutely. right? Uh, yeah. Would be super interesting. And then also tennis. So we work in the world of professional tennis with some of the best coaches in the world. Uh, you know, one of the coach being the one of Serena Williams, for example. And mm -hmm. I think in tennis, when you have to really focus, focus tremendously on what you have to do, and it's a lot of it is mental, right? Uh, like, I think a huge component of it is mental, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Now, the only issue that I, well, I could see that being used in training. Now, the, the, the challenge would be when you have to get that approved by the ATP, for example, right? Uh, okay, stuff absolutely. like that. That's, that's always a challenge. But I think for the average tennis player, for example, or the golf player, that would be awesome to get something like this. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're seeing right now that in the example of golf, um, th there's a couple of different things, right? One of them is you, you may be doing a scramble with a few other friends and you want to keep track of how you played, but you don't necessarily want to be on your phone the entire time, or you don't want to be trying to log what's happening and being able yeah. to do this a little bit more, um, a little bit more discreetly and just a little bit less focused on, you know, the gadgets or the things around you is, is valuable. And the, the other part of this is to your point, the focus and flow, right? Just making sure that you've got um, you've got sort of your pre your pre drive or your pre stroke checklist that you can you know mentally tell yourself like hey like let your shoulder let your shoulders come down a little bit right like yeah make sure your hips are loose deep breath and then go that's yeah. that th those are all things that I think are a struggle because so much of the time we're focused on trying to remember uh, what should I do about this what should I do about this what mm -hmm. if I get into this situation what should I be what should I be focused on and the this takes some of that out of it and, and really tries to just help create sort of like a, a repetition in that, in that practice or in that, that focus and flow sort of orientation for, for an activity. And, and that's important to a lot of people. Um, yeah. We've got a survey, we've got a survey coming out uh, pretty, pretty soon here. And, you know, just a couple of the high level stats that we pulled from that around um, the during data that people want. Um, when we say during data, it's, it's sort of our, our, our colloquialism for, for, you know, getting feedback in, in an activity as opposed to before or after it, but, yeah. um, not wanting to lose focus or be distracted. Uh, 44% of people said that's the, the biggest reason from stopping to check a device during, during their activity or during, during, um, any sort of athletic, uh, event or, or endeavor. Yeah. No, I think that's great that you guys are doing that. So, you know, I think you meant you talked earlier about coaching, right? So mm -hmm. do you think that, well, let's just put it that way. You know, one of my good friends, his name is Adam Shayer, is the founder of and inventor of Siri. And mm -hmm. we actually, did, I did a podcast with him about the future of AI for sports. And he talked about his vision of having an AI-based digital coach or assistant, whether it's on AR glasses or lenses or whatever it is. 
that would give you real-time feedback, kind of what you described earlier, right? Yeah. Um, you could have an example of a, a basketball player, right? That would be wearing those those lenses or your lenses with an AI-based coaching system telling him, hey, if you make this shot, there's a 30% or sorry, 70% chance is going to go in, right? Or yeah. you could have a coach on the sideline looking at a player. They would say, okay, player number 23 is dehydrated, taking him out of the game, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So because honestly, we get so much data. The coaches get so much data about dehydration, about the load, about the speed of the players, about the fatigue level. So mm-hmm. uh, everything is possible. I mean, you guys, I see you guys as the last mile, if you will, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of use cases around AI-based digital coaching, right? Uh, I would I would totally agree with you. Um, I was reading an article recently that um, – you know, big big data analytics is really starting to make a very very big push in sports, right? Um, yeah. I think was it the the Tampa Bay Devil Rays? Uh, I, I believe that they're one of the, as far as I'm concerned, they're one of the earliest adopters of sort of the the next level of analytics in in baseball, and uh, mm-hmm. their their record speaks for itself, right? I, I believe this season they had four out of five of their minor league teams win championships. And the fifth mm-hmm. one was like a game away from doing it. They've got the best record uh, on the American league side of MLB. So yeah. there's, there's a lot that's happening there, but AI based coaching is definitely a big step in the next direction to sort of bring that um, more, more horizontally across the organization, right? Especially for players. Uh, it, it provides that necessary input to um, improve and that insight is something that's that's definitely going to be uh, game changing, especially as you talk about having just a more constant um, feedback loop, right? I think um, analog coaches or you know human coaching is still going to be super important, but um, it, it really provides, I think, not only for the, the professional athlete but also for the, the general enthusiast, an opportunity to start to better understand how to get better. Um, just anecdotally for me, uh, I've been using uh, a running program this summer to really start to work on getting faster. And yeah. there's so many things that I'm learning from that that are just basic that you're, it, it always seems obvious after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. But so much of that coaching right now for the, for the, you know, weekend warriors happening either before or after and that yeah. during feedback loop is absolutely missing. And that's that's the real challenge. Right. So, you know, st- you know, how is your step cadence if you're on a run? Right. Are you are you yeah. putting too many? Are you putting too many steps out there? Are you accelerating correctly? Uh, what are you doing in terms of making sure that you're you're not hitting you're not hitting your your peak too fast within a run? Are you favoring one foot over another that tells you something biomechanically might be going on that you need to be careful of? I mean, those are things that I think many people want to know. Um, it also, I mean, like there's, there's many, many different sports where this, this makes sense. And so, um, the, the hope here for me, at least from an AI coaching perspective, and what we can do is that we can provide with the lens, something that's more deliberate and immediate as a medium without distracting you from the activity. So it's really about making sure that you're providing somebody with that positive feedback loop when something goes right so that you can start to build muscle memory around that. And, and, and really start to improve your overall um, your overall performance. Yeah, and, and I, I like your, what your examples of the kind of the custom training plan or something. We actually work with a company in Canada, Vancouver, called Heat Science. And what they've done is they they build a platform that provides customized 
a training plan for triathletes, athletes, and they're one of the best, I think one of the best in the world because they've got awesome like sports scientists in the team. And mm -hmm. basically you have to pay a plan every month to get this customized training plan and everything. Um, so I think that might be a good, I mean, it might be good for you guys to talk to them because for what you're trying to do, especially if you're trying to address triathletes, which is their core business, mm -hmm. uh, triathletes and marathonian. So uh, anyway, uh, as, as a side note, but, um, you know, my next question was more about, you know, what do you think are going to be the biggest hurdles that you need to overcome in the coming years to get, you know, it's a mass adoption of your AR contact lens. Is it going to be getting the FDA approval, getting the public acceptance, uh, solving maybe potential privacy issues? Um, what, what is your take on that? Yeah, for, for me, um, I know that FDA feels like a very um, large black box in terms of what what happens from from an approval or from a clearance and regulatory perspective. Um, yeah. Our our company has a very large component of it that that represents sort of professionals in the medical field. So yeah. I do feel I do feel like we are doing a very good job of addressing all the challenges that we think are, are going to exist from a safety and from a, a consumer perspective, like from a consumer um, reception perspective yeah uh for for me um because i'm on the product side and, and i'm looking at sort of how how we're building how we're building this every day yeah um, we have so many components and we have so much um that we're inventing in in real time and that we're miniaturizing and mm -hmm. and bringing together from a functionality and from an integration perspective um, all of those pieces coming into such a small little form factor um, while meeting sort of the, the the power envelope that we need and the, the computation yeah. and the bandwidth, th that to me is something that I see a lot of really smart people occupied with at the moment. Yeah, and that's something that absolutely um, uh, that absolutely um, keeps me keeps me awake at night sometimes. Yeah, um, privacy issues. I, I do feel like we're absolutely very nascent in terms of how we think about privacy in the AR space. Um, there's certainly new players that are coming forward all the time. And what we're trying to do is um, look at, look at the concerns or look at the challenges because we know that um, where the puck is right now is not going to be where, where it is when we come to market. And so mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to think a little bit more uh, comprehensively about where we think um, privacy or, or general acceptance uh, concerns or, or questions may, may arise from in the future. And that's, that's where we're, that's where we are spending some time making sure that we get that right. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's a big one. And um, you don't want to get in situations where you're going to Google Glass situation again or, or things like that. But I think like, it sounds like you guys already have, you know, made some great progress there and you got a plan. So um, speaking of kind of the competition, Facebook recently you know, announced the Ray-Ban glasses just today. And real, you know, they showcase their new AR glasses. They are very slick and slim. Uh, going back to the Ray-Ban glasses, these are not AR glasses, right? Uh, and I, th I think they've done a good yeah. job with the design. It's very slick. Uh, it looks great. Uh, but then, you know, the, you know, you're in the in Europe, there are already some commissions that are uh, raising concern about privacy, and you know, with the the uh, the button, you know, being visible when someone is mm -hmm. capturing a video. So, I mean, it, it was obviously what's going to happen, right? Some people were going to look at that. So, uh, what is your take on the product? Just your personal opinion, if you don't. Have, like have you, oh no, absolutely. Have you had a chance to? Have you had a chance to wear a pair of stories yet? No, not yet. I've been just okay. busy and I haven't had a chance to. So, 
No, so I so I've actually had a chance to to wear them already, and um, yeah. I, I certainly you know I certainly I think as a as an older millennial took a different sort of approach to why I found why I found them useful. But mm-hmm. um, you, you're right; these these are kind of being classified as smart glasses. Um, not yeah. there's not a whole lot of AR there, but they they are smart to some extent, right? And mm-hmm. I, I feel like you know one of the one of the veins that this is going to go down is that. Um, AR is going to have a lot of overlap is sort of this different form factor for, for wearables in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, I've got, you know, a whole bunch of uh, vision stats because, you know, as a company that's making smart contact lenses, we've, we've got to have that. Uh, it also makes for great uh, cocktail cocktail reception conversation pre COVID, yeah. but you know, 60% of the world needs vision correction of some kind. Right. So you, yeah. you're talking about more than half of the people in this world need a pair of glasses or contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having having the the freedom to change the form factor that a wearable can uh, uh, can can utilize, I think is is great for for all people because that choice is super important. Um, so yeah. so me wearing so me wearing the stories, the the most useful thing I found was just that this really does a good job of replacing. Um, you know, the, you know, carrying around a pair of earbuds. Right. And so, yeah, uh, this was great to be able to answer a quick phone call or to be able to do just a quick voice text. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I also like that you were able just to walk around with, you know, with music without necessarily having something that's blocking, blocking your hearing. Um, yeah. I just wish that, I just wish that the uh, speakers were a little bit louder from a music experience, especially when I'm out okay. running. So <laughs> I see, uh, that's cool. I mean, good feedback. Like I said, I can't, you know, I never tried. I haven't tried them yet. So uh, great that you, you got a chance to do that. I also I forgot to ask you. Um, so your AR contact lenses, I'm assuming you tried them, right? You tried them many times or I mean, are they comfortable to wear? And I'm also I've been told that you can wear them all day long, basically. Um, so our, our, yeah, we're targeting all day wear. Um, certainly, if you said, well, I'm going to have the you know, I'm going to have the display on it. Maximum brightness always on. Right. Like, mm-hmm. We're, we're thinking more along the lines of all day ambient use, but um, what, what's really interesting about our form factor is that we're, we're using a design that that's been around for quite a while and it's called um, it's called a scleral lens. And so okay. when you think about the eye, right, you've got the pupil, you've got your iris, which is the color part. And then you've got that white part. That's, that's all, uh, that's all around the, the rest of your eye. That is yeah. the sclera. And this lens actually sits on that part of it, right? Which is, far less sensitive and has far less nerve endings than say your cornea or um, your iris. So um, I've, I've worn many different pairs of scleral lenses. And um, the, the really interesting thing about it is that because it's sitting on the white part of your eye, I, I find that it's um, for me, at least it's equally comfortable as wearing a pair of um, hydrogel or soft lenses, right? And it's, it's, it's not floating on the eye. Right. And, the the more practical use for us is that because we have a projector um, on our eyes, mm-hmm. uh, we've got that you know we've got that smart contact lens. We want to make sure that we're keeping that that display very stable because every time we blink, um, which is which is many many times during a day, I think we yeah. blink something like seventeen hundred miles over the course of our life. If you talk about the travel of your eyelids up and down. Um, mm-hmm. We we want to make sure that um, you're not resetting where that display is on on your fovea every time. And so uh, this is you know this is one of those pragmatic things where because we're resting on the white of the eye on the sclera, 
we're absolutely able to keep that image very stable, right? And then that also helps from an eye tracking perspective so that we can keep that content very fixed in space. Um, but to answer your question in a very roundabout way, um, it, it's a different lens, but it's existed in the market for quite some time. And uh, the times that I've worn it, it, it feels pretty comfortable. But you don't you don't really feel it on the eye. I mean, you don't feel yeah, like not like it's like a normal lens, basically. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. I, I will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my last question is, you know, what are your plans in the future? Or sorry, is your plan in the future to offer some hybrid AR VR contact lenses so you could switch from an immersive environment to an augmented uh, environment? Is that part of the program? So, so that's that's actually um, that's actually a really interesting point because if you think about it, the display is positioned in such a way that it it comes before your eyelids. Mm-hmm. So if your eyes are open, you're able to take in the world around you, and it's in an AR mode. But if you close your eyes, the display is still visible, and so in that I sense, see. you've got VR when the eyes are when your eyes are closed as well. So there's interesting, um, yeah. There's a lot of real interesting potential there. And more importantly, it's just, it's practical, right? How many times have you been, you know, out somewhere and it's been just, you know, high noon and you're not able to read a display because it's just, it's too bright out, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, In this instance, you can, you can close your eyes and you've, you've got it taken care of. And then additionally, if you want to put sunglasses on, because that's all you need, you can do that as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, So last question is, you know, what are your plans for the next 12 months? What do you hope you accomplish? Um, so as it relates specifically to sports and athletics, um, I think that we've got some really interesting things coming up that we're going to be able to share uh, pretty soon, specifically around some of the different work that we've done, prototyping and iterating around sort of what we can do that's going to be unique from an AR perspective uh, uh, to, to deliver new information during activities, right? Um, yeah. Again, just to give you a quick, uh, quick couple of sound bites here. Half of respondents in that survey that we just did said that getting information during an activity is the most important time as opposed to before or after. And we had 83% of those same respondents that said, hey, I would benefit from having better access to data during the activity. So we got a lot of really interesting feedback from that. But what we also learned is that um, people just don't know what's possible when we start talking about uh, a different uh, a different form factor or a different way to um, project that information during an activity. And so mm-hmm. we're spending a lot of time with some really smart people um, building out what we think some of those concepts may look like and how we can further um, stretch and evolve that 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 world. And so that's something that we'll be talking about pretty soon here. Um, Great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then just in terms of just the, the general lens work, right? Um, We've, you know, we've got a, another prototype that we're getting ready to start doing much more testing on. It's providing so much more functionality around the different sensors and IMUs and, and capabilities that, that there's a lot for us to learn. Because, again, when we talk about a new product and a new form factor, we, we just there's very, you know, there's a handful of people that know what it's like to wear smart contact lens. And mm-hmm. we're, we're in the process right now of, of learning more about that and better understanding how we can provide that information to people without necessarily um, distracting them or, or uh, you know, just create, you know, creating something that's, um, you know, novel, but not practical. Yeah. Um, look, I think it's super exciting. I mean, you know, uh, we work with one of the AR, so it's an AR VR startups. They're coming up with these hybrid AR VR headsets. They're based in Paris, but now are you talking about the, your 
lenses. I'm even more excited about that because, you know, the form factor is, to me, that's what you need. Uh, you don't need anything that's big on your face. And I think that's, it's super complex what you guys are building. And I think that's why it's also exciting, right? So yeah. uh, congrats on your, on your progress. And uh, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Well, Julian, thank you for having me again. Thank you. All right. Thank you.